All right, there we go. So you have the uh, um, the page of the sitter on the screen in front of you. Is that there? Yes. Yes. Okay, great. Make it any bigger? I can't make it a little bigger. Okay. Good. Okay. So uh, tonight, just in an effort to uh, to keep ourselves moving along in the in the sitter, and uh, to make uh, progress, because you know, literally, we could spend uh, you know weeks and weeks and weeks trying to um, you know, go through every word and every line and every sentence to explain it and its meaning and its deeper meaning and whatever. But uh, as we uh, said from the outset, the goal of this, uh, of this endeavor is to go ahead and to, is to, uh, to make sure that we get a, a picture overall of what's taking place over the course of the sitter. So uh, I'm going to err perhaps on the side of making progress rather than being more thorough and then just getting like sort of bogged down and not making much progress uh, on what we're trying to, uh, to do. So, uh, what, so we're gonna move on to the section of Corbanos. So as we're going to see the section of Corbanos, the main thing we, re we, we really wanna to get to is, is this paragraph over here. That's what we're reading over here. So this is the paragraph that addresses the actual Korban Tamid itself. So that's really what we're trying to get to is to read this paragraph of the Korban Tamid. Before doing so, we have these two, we're just going to call them introductory psukim paragraphs. We're not going to necessarily deal with the, uh, with the, uh, um, the, uh, the small little prayers before or after any one of those paragraphs. But the first thing that we want to do is we want to go ahead and explore this idea of reading Corbanos. Why exactly are we, did Corbanos make its way into the, into the sitter? So for this, we're going to start with the tour. In the tour, he says as follows. And he writes... Um, that one of the reasons why they give they give really two explanations as to why we're going to go ahead and read the, the section of, of, of Korbanos. So one of them is sort of like a more fundamental idea. And I'm just going to read this from, uh, from what I have about uh, um, uh, in one of my sedorim. He says, one explanation is, Mishum kapar al The purpose of reading the section of Korbanos is in order to go ahead and generate, to secure for us forgiveness for our sins. And this is based on a Gemara in uh, Tainus. So for those who are uh, up to date in, uh, in Dafyomi, so we'll be getting there in about uh, three weeks plus, we'll actually read it inside. But this is something that uh, we mentioned in a, uh, in a drasha, not too long ago, if I remember correctly. And the Gemara says as follows, that when Hashem says to Avram Avinu, this is by the bris ben Absarim, by the, uh, the covenant, where he promises he's going to give the Jewish people, he's going to give the descendants of Avram Avinu the land of Israel. So Avram Avinu says, Hashem okim, ki He says to Hashem, how do I know that I'm going to inherit the land? So that's the literal, that's the literal words of what Avram Avinu went ahead and he said. But Amar Avram, you know, what the, the, the Torah Shabal Peh of this is that Ribono Shalom, Avram Avinu says, Master of the world, Shema Yisrael Chotin Lefanecha, perhaps the Jewish people will go ahead and they will sin before you. Ata Osalem Kedorah Mabo Kedorah Vlaga. 
And your response to the Jewish people is going to be the same response you had to the generation of the flood and the generation of dispersions, where you went ahead and you came down with a very heavy hand against them for what they did. And is there any sort of assurance that you're not going to do so? Amarle, so Gosh Baruch Hu said, love. Gosh Baruch Hu said, nope, I won't do it. Amar Lafana. So uh, Avram Avinu says, and this is like, uh, I guess it makes sense that the first Jew would have the ultimate chutzpah, <laughs> the first, uh, you know, one of these conversations with God. But he says, He says, let me know how exactly I'm going to inherit it. It's nice. You know, word, words are nice. <laughs> but I need to see something concrete. I need to see something on paper or something. How do I know that the Jewish people are actually going to get the land? says, okay. So that's where they go ahead and you take those animals and we're going to divide them in half. And that's the Brisbane Absarim. That is the covenant of parts. I think that's the way it's generally translated. In other words, then, so, so that's Hashem's assurance that he is going to go ahead and make sure that the Jewish people are going to, are, are guaranteed to receive the land of Israel, to inherit the land. So Avram Avinu's concern is not yet done. So fine, when there's a Beis Hamikdash in the Jewish people, when they sin and they could go ahead and they could offer korbanos as a means of atonement. So then you've assured me that the Jewish people will be safe and they're not going to be uh, annihilated. But what's going to be when the Jewish people sin after the Beis Hamikdash is destroyed? So then, what are, we, what are they going to do then? How could we be assured that the Jewish people will remain protected and will be okay? says, not to worry. I'm not God for nothing. I foresaw all of this, and I planned way ahead. You expect, uh, if anybody's going to be proactive, God would be the one who's going to be proactive. He says, I've already arranged for them the order of Karbanos meaning the reading of Korbanos, when Klai Yisrael reads the passages of Korbanos before me, I consider it as if they actually offered the Korbanos, and then I will thereby forgive them for all of their sins. So the purpose from this explanation, the purpose of of reading the section of Korbanos is to go ahead and to provide us atonement for the sins which we uh, which we commit. And in this regard, Mefarshim explained, commentaries, commentators explain that the Tamid Shel Shachar, the morning uh, Korban which we bring and that we would read as part of Shachris. So that is Mechapra, that atones for the sins we committed last night, for the, the nighttime sins which we committed. And then the Tamid Shel Ben Harbayim the afternoon Tamid, for those people who read it before Mincha time, that is designed to atone for the sins we commit during the day. So twice a day, we read about this, the Korban Shal Tamid, we read about the regular Korban, and that's going to atone for the sins which you committed in the immediately preceding uh, uh, um, uh, part of the day. So that is explanation number one as to why we read the Korbanos section, because this makes it as if we went ahead and offered Korbanos and we get forgiveness for that. And then the second reason why we go ahead and we do so is mentioned in the tour. The tour is in Simen Nun, for anybody who wants to look it up. And the tour begins with a quote from, and this is an amazing idea what, the, what we do, but he says that the idea is the Gemara and Kedushin says, makes a statement that a person should always divide 
his studies into three parts. The amount of time that you have to study, the Gemara says, should be divided into thirds. One third of your time should be spent studying Mikra. You should be studying Tanakh. So if you have three hours a day to learn, so one hour a day, you're going to study Tanakh. Shlish b'Mishnah, then one third of the day, you're going to spend studying Mishnayas. Shlish b'Talmud, and then one third of the day is going to be the study of Talmud, the explanation of the Mishnayas. So that's how you divide up your time, your, the, the time that you have to study, whether it's nine hours a day, three hours a day, 30 minutes a day, three minutes a day. The Gemara says you're always going to divide it in thirds. So the Gemara, so, right. So we say that, so based on this idea, so we say that, um, right. So we say that, uh, the idea is, is that when we read the psukim of the uh, of, of the korbanos, so that satisfies our obligation to go ahead and read Tanakh. We've read some psukim from that. And then as we get further in this section of korbanos, there's going to be towards the end, there's the parak of Ezeu Mekoman. Go ahead and pull that all the way down. It's a bit of the way down. We get to... Next... So here you have a Zelmakoman. So this is a parak in Mishnayas uh, from Zvachim, which elaborates, it presents the, the basic details of all of the Kurbanus which are brought. So that is in, in fulfillment of the, the necessity to study Mishnayas each and every day. And then finally, after the Mishnayas, so we say Rabbi Shmuel Omer B'shoshes Emidos Atorni Dreshes. So these are the thirteen hermeneutic principles which we use to darshan the Torah. This satisfies. This isn't really Talmud per se, but this is the basis of all Talmud. The basis of all analytic study of Mishnayis and whatnot is going to be rooted in the analysis of the Mishnayis and the analysis of the Psukim, and that's going to be rooted very heavily in these thirteen hermeneutic principles. Kavachomers, Gzeir Shavas, anybody who does a little bit of Dafyomi is already familiar with uh, some of these concepts, Klaloprat, Pratuklal, Klaloprat, all of those types of things. So all of that is in the manner of Talmud. So the reason why, according to this explanation of the tour, the reason why this whole section, which we call Korbanos, is there, is because Chazal understood perfectly well that people are very busy, and people don't necessarily have time that they're going to be able to sit and have an hour of Tanakh an hour of uh, Mishnayis and an hour of Talmud a day. And therefore they incorporated into your first thing in the morning, your first routine in the morning, which is the idea of a part of davening to make sure that by the time you're done davening, you've already fulfilled your minimum study regimen for the day by having read some Sukkim, by having read some Mishnayis and by having read some, uh, some uh, passages which are related to Talmud. So that is uh, the second explanation, which you find as to why this whole section of Korbanos is there, is just in order to go ahead and fulfill that idea. So those two are somewhat uh, practical. One is it's in place of the actual bringing of Korbanos itself. And the second is to satisfy our obligation to go ahead and, and uh, um, our obligation to, uh, to study Torah. It's interesting that you find in the Rishonim I did this uh, just recently in my TI class, that Shulchan uh, Paskins, that women also say Birchas Torah, same as men every day. And the question is, if women are technically exempt from the mitzvah of Talmud Torah, the technical mitzvah of Torah study, so why do women go ahead and say 
the bracha birchas Torah every day. Maybe you should they should say it only when they're going to attend a shear on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So you attend a shear, so you're going to go ahead and say birchas Torah on those days. But on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, when you're not going to be attending a shear, so maybe you don't have to say birchas. Well, women would not have to say birchas Torah. So the Mahario, one of the Rishonim, says that the reason why women are going to say Birchas HaTorah every day, the mitzvah on Torah study, is because they also are going to be reading the part, this section of Korbanos. So certainly the Pesukim they're going to read, and he's almost certain, he expresses a little bit of hesitancy, but he's almost certain that women should also be studying that passage of, of Mishnayis as well. That that's also part of the daily obligation of women. And according to that explanation, the Mariel, the reason why women say Birchas Torah is because they're saying this part of the Siddur. This part of the Siddur, which everybody skips nowadays. But the Mariel says that that's the reason, that's one of the reasons why women would say Birchas Torah every day, is because they're undoubtedly saying the, reading these passages of well, uh, as well, which contain Tanakh, Mishnayis, as well as, as, well as Gemara. Okay. So those are two sort of uh, nigla, revealed uh, explanations of what's taking place in the, uh, the Siddur and why this whole section of Korbanus happens to be there. Rav Yaakov Emden, in his commentary to the Siddur, so he goes ahead and he offers a, a different explanation altogether. And he says, uh, he says as follows. He says that, oh, uh, sorry. V'tzarch uh, he says, I have to share with you a, a rule or an idea uh, in, uh, in short. I'm just going to be a, a very quick, a straight to the point presentation. He says, up until this point of the sitter, meaning up until we get to the Corbano section. So, so, so far what we've done is the men put on towels and fillings. And everybody, men and women, have said the 18 brachos, birchos shachar, together with the Alnatiya Sadaim and the Birchas Torah, they've said all of that. So, what have we been doing up until this point in the Siddur? He says, Asaknu, all of that was in, it was in, in, in an effort, Lidchos Ulasalika Klipos Makadusha. We're trying to do is we're trying to shave away the shell. That's how the uh, Kabbalistically they refer to bad things, the Itzahara and whatnot, is referred to as a klipa, is referred to a shell or a peel. So, P E E L. So, you're trying to go ahead and uh, you're trying to go P E A L or P E L. You get the point. Uh, they're, they're trying to peel away the ichi stuff, which is there, so that you have just Kedusha, which, which remains. That's what you've been doing. That's what we do up until the point of Karbalas. And now, as we transition into the Korbanos section, through our speech, we can go ahead and we can begin to elevate and we can begin to combine or move through the various spiritual worlds which exists. We mentioned that in the introduction. The world of prayer went ahead and divided the four sections of the sitter. He maintained that the four sections of the sitter correspond to four different levels of olamos, which, which exists. That's the whole schematic uh, theme of fours. So all, each one is going to go into the, is going to blend into the world above it. So now that we peeled away 
all of the ichi stuff. We've gotten rid of the klipa, and now the kedusha is exposed. So now we could use the kedusha as a springboard as we move step by step through the various uh, spiritual worlds which exist. Till eventually, as we talked about, we'll be standing before Hakadosh Baruch Hu and Davin to uh, in, uh, have a conversation with him at, at that time. But that's where we're trying to go with uh, with this uh, this section as we move ourselves into into korbanos. Okay, so now. Um, so here, what we have over here is just briefly. So this first section. So uh, those who know, um, so the Seder Hayom. Again, he's the one who talked about uh, the uh, uh, composed for us the language of Modaani. So he says uh, an interesting idea, and he says it really uh, uh, a little bit later on, but it's uh, it's relevant, I think, now. He says, "Umipneishu bekitzer gadol." He says, being that the presentation of korbanos is done in very in very broad general terms, they not a mavinbo komasherotza, and most people aren't going to be able to understand everything which the uh, uh, which these passages mean just by the quick reference to them. So Seder Ayom says, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to present to you the order of the Avoda today, give a brief description, somewhat detailed, but a brief description of exactly what the Avoda in the Beis Hamikdash looked like. What were the step-by-step procedures which they went through? Well, that's a Rambam. The Seder Avoda, Hilchos Musafin, is going to be based on the opinion of the Rambam who goes ahead and does so. So here is, I just finished reading over here. So this is the right-hand column of this page. So he goes on for the rest of this page. And then another one, two, three, four, uh, four, four plus pages to go ahead and explain exactly how the Avoda takes place. So if anybody's interested in a quick presentation of, of the Avoda, so I'll be more than happy to go ahead and, uh, and share that, uh, that with you. But being that what we're trying to do at least according to, uh, to one opinion, is that we're, tr- we're, we're going through the effort of reading through the psukim so that it should be considered as if we brought karbanos. So therefore, we go through the procedure of the day. So when you, uh, if you were to uh, uh, get invited to observe what happens in the Beis HaMikdash, so the first order of business is not the actual bringing of the Tamit Shalshachar. Tamit Shalshachar is actually the way we'll have it over here is actually step three of the day. So the first thing, and this is the paragraph that you have over here, you see that it mentions, sorry, it keeps doing that. It mentions the, the end of this highlight over here is the Kior Nechoshes, is the copper Kior. So we know that before the Kohanim, we talked about this by Natil Asyadayim in the morning, that before the Kohanim are going to be able to do any avoda whatsoever in the Beis HaMikdash. So the first thing that you need to do when you show up at work, just like you know, you find in restaurants, now employees must wash their hands <laughs> before returning to work. So the Beis HaMikdash had said the same thing, that in the, for COVID, we're all well acquainted with this, that when you first walk in the door, you got to go ahead and you wash, you got to wash your hands. They had to wash their feet too. Fortunately, we don't have people in Shul coming and trying to put their feet into the, into the sink and wash their feet at the same time. If they do so, they should do that at home. But the washing hands is something which is not only a prerequisite for davening, but that was an absolute prerequisite for bringing korbanos. And if somebody were to do the avoda without washing their hands first, that invalidates the avoda. So this is something which obviously is a very, uh, a, a very important uh, step in the, uh, in, in, in the process. So that is the first paragraph which you have over here 
is to go ahead and to read uh, to read that section having to do with the washing of the hands. Then the next thing we have is here, the next uh, order of business is to go ahead and um, um, he says that we'll do look at it on the, in the English side. So he says, and he will remove the ashes where the fire consumes the burnt offering on the altar. So this is, sorry, this is what's called the Trumas Hadeshin. So uh, you can imagine that, uh, that uh, 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 certainly on busy days where there's carbonos which are brought and there are parts of carbonos which are burning on the Mizbeach through the, through the night. So by the time you get there in the morning, so it's like, it, it's the equivalent, but it's like trying to use your barbecue grill without cleaning it in between each use. So you can imagine all the stuff which collects on the grills. So it's something which over time, it's, uh, there's a lot of stuff which is there. So on the Mizbeach, day in and day out, ashes would collect because you have lots of uh, limbs, lots of meat, which is, uh, which is being burned. And before they would go ahead and they would do the new avoda for the day, the new karbanas for the day. So the first task at, at hand, and the, the Gemara and Yuma talks about this, those who were doing dafyomi, that they had the different, um, different lotteries to determine which kohanim were going to do that. So the first lottery of the day was to determine who is going to have the privilege of cleaning up the leftover ashes from yesterday. And they would go up there and they would scoop off some, some ashes, put it next to Mizveh. Okay, whatever would happen to it is not so relevant. But that was the first thing which would, uh, that was the first actual avod which was done. So first they wash their hands. Next thing is they clean up the Mizveh from ashes from yesterday. Then once these two things are in place, so then we get to the actual korban itself. So this passage over here, you see it says, Bamidbar 28.18. So this is, sorry, 28, one through eight. So this is the passage which we know this from Parshas Pinchas. This is the, uh, the bulk of what we read on Rosh Chodesh, for example. But this part has to do with the daily Talmud, the daily morning Talmud. So this is the main feature of the day. This is really what we're trying to get to in this passage. And if you're going to skip all of Korbanos, and you're going to say one, one, one paragraph, and this is what we do in young Israel, is we say this passage of the Korban Talmud because this is the most important part of this section, because this is the actual, these are the actual psukim which describe the, uh, the bringing of the korban. So you see, it talks about the, 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 the lambs and uh, you know, the age and all of that. Okay, so that is the, the, the accompanying things, the, the, the korban in the afternoon. Okay, so that is, so that's what we're trying to get to, is the bringing of the korban. Then we have afterwards, we have this pasuk. This is from a completely different section of Chomesh. This is the beginning of, 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 of Sefer Vayikra. So here you see it says, that you're going to go ahead and they're going to slaughter it on the side of the Mizbeach, on the northern side of the Mizbeach before Hashem. And you're going to go ahead and you are going to, uh, uh, the, the Kohanim are going to throw the blood onto the Mizbeach. So this is not this is not a passage which relates directly to the Korban Tamid. It's in a completely different section of Chumash, but this particular section has great importance. And um, if I could just find it now. Yeah. So the Beis Yosef, at the end of Simon Aleph, so he writes, Kasav Yudah Bar Yakar. Yudah uh, Bar Yakar is one of the, also one of the earliest 
and one of the most thorough from the Rishonim commentators on the Siddur. So this is something which, that means that this is pretty ancient, pretty uh, uh, old to go ahead and say such things. So he says, Tov lomar ima korbanos, pasuk shachatos Hashem. So he says, it's a good idea to go ahead and read this pasuk to get together with the section about the, the actual Talmud. Vuba Parshas Minatzon. In this, he identifies where you'll find the Pasuk. And he says, the basis of saying this is And this is based on the Medrash that, uh, that says, Baruch declares, that I uh, swear, I testify, probably better, I testify, and the heavens and earth are my witnesses. And this is this amazing thing. He says, Ben Goy, Ben Yisrael. Whether we're talking about a non-Jew or whether we're talking about a Jew. Ben Eved, Ben Amma, or whether we're talking about a slave, a male slave or a female slave. And the Medrash goes on to say, Ben Ish, Ben Isha, or whether we're talking about a man or a woman. So we're emphasizing, no matter who we are discussing, what human being we are discussing on planet Earth, Bishashen Korin Mikrezeh, when they read this particular pasuk, the one which is highlighted on the screen in front of you, Tzafon Lifnei Hashem, that it's on the north side before Hashem, Ani Zocher Akedas Yitzach Ben Avram, so this is going to trigger in my mind the Akeda, the Akedas Yitzchak. Now, the Kabbalists have a field day with this, and they go to town on how, what Avram Avinu represents Kabbalistically, and what Yitzchak Avinu represents Kabbalistically, and what the word uh, that's it. Safona represents Kabbalistically in what the phrase Lifnei Hashem is going to mean Kabbalistically. So every phrase along the way in this Pasuk has deep Kabbalistic meaning, but we're just going to take it as far as the presentation that uh, that the uh, the Beis Yosef had from the, the, the Ribar Yakar is that the advantage of saying this, the benefit of saying this is that it's going to be able to generate a memory, a positive memory in God's mind, and that is going to position us to be able to be recipients of God's, uh, of God's mercy. So that's something which obviously is very advantageous, something that we are looking for, especially if we are reading these passages of the Talmud in order to secure for ourselves forgiveness. So it's advantageous to go ahead and have some extra merit in our pocket with, uh, through which we'll be able to, uh, to secure that. Now, there's another um, um, uh, interesting idea. So one of the Rishonim uh, is called the Shibole Haleket. I don't know who, who has heard of the Shibole Haleket or not, but the Shibole Haleket, so he writes, the Kasser of Yaman Achi. So he's quoting his brother. Shakriya's Parshas Tamid Chova. So he says that the reading of the Parshas Tamid, this, the, not this paragraph of Veshachat, but this paragraph over here, so this is considered to be, it's an obligation. I consider it is an obligation. In And he says, I'll prove to you that this is so. Why? Now, I don't know if anybody has, has, has taken note of this, but once you hear it, if you didn't think about it before, once you hear it, you'll say, I could have had a V8. It'll be one of those moments. So what's, uh, what, what's the, uh, the point that he, uh, he's raising? He says, we don't mention the daily Tamid in our Shmonasra. Every day we daven Musaf, Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, Yontif, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, every time there's a Musaf, the main feature 
of the Musaf is to say the Pesukim related to that Korban, the Korban which would be, which if we had a Beis Amitash would be brought that day. So saying the, the significant Pesukim of the Korbanos is a main feature of many Shmonesas, many Amitas which we say, and therefore following that pattern, we would expect it to be a no-brainer that the daily Shmonesra should mention the Tamit Shachar, and in the afternoon, we should mention the Tamit Shabbat We should have those Pesukim as part of a davening. How did they get left out? What the, who made that editorial error and left out the, uh, the Korbanos Pesukim every time we daven Shmonesra? And therefore he says, He said, therefore, to compensate for the fact that we do not mention the Korbanos in Shvon Esrei during the weekday. So to compensate for that, they enacted or they, 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 uh, they uh, instructed us to say each and every day before we begin Pesukit Zimra to make sure that we say the Pesukim related to the Korban. In that way, that's going to cover the necessity to go ahead and read the psukim related to the, that day's korban, because otherwise, he points to, he has that, 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 that unusual phenomena that on every Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, and Yantif, we do mention the korban related to the day, and then we can, daily, day in and day out, we don't bother to go ahead and do so. That would be an unusual thing, and therefore why they went ahead and they put it before davening rather than into Shmon So that's a, a different question which, uh, which commentators uh, uh, wonder about. But over here, that's something which they uh, which they uh, they uh, they mentioned. Now, the last thing that I want to bring to your attention about uh, the korbanos and specifically the the passage of the the tamid. Now that is from the the shari tshuva, one of the commentators on a regular page of the uh, of the mishabura. So he goes ahead and he says an interesting thing. He says, "I'm going to Ram Shukasa, parshas a korbanos yomer ba'amida." He says, when you read this section of the Tamid, you should say it while standing. Why do you need to say it while standing? Because when the Kohanim actually offered the Korban in the Beis Amitash, one of the prerequisites for a successful offering of a Korban is the Kohanim had to be standing. You couldn't be sitting while offering a Korban. It had to be done while, specifically while standing. So being that, if we're going to say that Korbanos are going to be in lieu of the actual bringing of the Korban, that Gemara and Tainus, that by reading the Psukim, that it counts as if we went ahead and brought the, uh, the Korban itself. So it follows from there, it's logical that you should have to stand when you read this paragraph. Again, it's specifically this paragraph of the, uh, of the Tamid. This paragraph itself, the rest of it can be said while sitting, but this paragraph specifically should be said while standing. That's the opinion of the Magen Avram. A different commentator says, he says, eh, you don't really have to. It's a, it's a replacement for the korbanos, but it's not the actual bringing of the korban itself. And therefore, he says that uh, you don't have to do so. And he writes, He says, during my entire life, you know, growing up and uh, interacting with scholars, uh, uh, tremendous scholars, I never saw anybody who was concerned about this opinion of the Magen Avram, who says that you should go ahead and you should make sure to stand when you read this paragraph of the, uh, of the Parshas uh, Tamit. And, um, and that's a, that's a machlokas which is there. The Mishabura quotes the Prima Gadim, who says that the Mikom Makom Parshas Tamit Roi Lamut. He says that that one, at the very least, uh, one should try and be Makbid. If you can, if it's not too inconvenient, you should stand up for that. 
He says, and then this is something which is fascinating because it's, it's explicit in the Mishnah Bura. In this, I've never seen, even in those places which do regularly say uh, the whole path, the whole section of Korbanos, Mishnah Bura says, Shekorin Bitsibur the Koram, because it's read by the Tzibur out loud. I don't know, I haven't, uh, I have yet to, uh, to see that. Maybe by the Sfardim, maybe the Sfardim really wouldn't prove anything because they say everything out loud. So <laughs> the fact that this paragraph is also being said out loud isn't any more significant than the fact that Mizmor Lesota, they also say out loud and Ashra they say out loud. But he says that that's what they, uh, that, that's what they used to do. And then for this reason also, uh, so again, we're not at that point now in the calendar, but it is something which comes up later on. And that is that when sunrise gets too late in the day when sunrise is like 7, 7.15 or whatever. So we'll start davening or certainly we'll be at Dafyomi way in advance of when, uh, when even dawn, even Alos HaShachar. So there's a Shiloh whether you could read this Parsha of part, the Korban HaTamid before Alos HaShachar. Bichos HaShachar, you could say as soon as you get up because you slept for the night and as far as you're concerned, it's a new day. But since this section of Parsha's Tamid is related to the bringing of the Korban and the bringing of Korban had to be done by day, it cannot be done during the nighttime before. So they're posting move very machmer not to go ahead and say these things anytime before, maybe uh, before Alosa Shachar. Otherwise you're saying it too early and it doesn't really count for what you're trying to, uh, to accomplish. So that also is something which is, uh, you know, an interesting uh, idea to be mindful of. Okay, so this now takes care. So we have the, the Parsha Satamit, Vishachat so. And then from here, you see it says in this highlighted word, it says we move on to the passage of the Ketoris. So the Ketoris is something which is also something that has a very special place in, uh, in, the, uh, in, in the Siddur. Um, let me get there. He says that um, he, uh, in this sitter, my, in my sitter, so everybody quotes the Zohar in Aramaic. The Zohar is written in Aramaic. So fortunately, I have one sitter, which whenever he's quoting the Zohar, he goes with the Hebrew translation of the Zohar. So that makes it easier to, uh, to understand. So he says, as follows, he says as follows regarding this, uh, this idea. And that is that, so the following thing is a decree, something which HaKadosh Baruch Hu set into the laws of the spiritual laws of nature. Anybody who contemplates and reads this, these passages having to do with the Psukim and having to do with the, uh, the Mishnayas or the Brises uh, of the bringing of the Ketaris, of the burning of the incense. That person will be saved from all bad things and any witchcraft. So if you think somebody is putting a spell on you, so the way that you're going to shield yourself from the harmful effects of that spell is going to be to read the Parshas Tamid. And it will save you from all sorts of harmful things, from bad thoughts, from a bad judgment, and from Magefa. Magefa means a plague. So if you remember that at the beginning of Corona, there, you, there were many uh, uh, organizations which were promoting, making sure that you say every day the, the, the section of the Ketores. And some people, some shows actually incorporated it into the formal davening, which they did on a daily basis as they actually started a few minutes earlier by Mincha so that they could say the Ketores section, at least by Mincha, in advance of davening, uh, davening Mincha. 
because it's seen as a protection from plague. If you read this section of, of, of the Ketaris, so you won't be harmed the entire day. Because once you go ahead and you read the section of the Ketaris, so the Sitra Akra, the Yetzahara, and harmful spirits and whatnot, will have no uh, uh, control, no dominion. They won't be able to harm you at all. So this is why the Qataris has this special place uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the mind of, a, of a many individuals. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to find it now. Where did it go? Let me find it quickly. Um, no. So in one of my svarim over here, so they talk about, they emphasize the importance of, of not only saying it, but saying it in a way which is that they people actually read it from a klaf. People have the, they read it with ksava shuris, and they have, you'll see some people have like a, a fold out thing in their, that they keep with their talus and their tefillin. And when they open it up, it is the parsha, it's the psukim of the ketaris, of the incense, which are written as they would be written in the Sefer Torah. And that's considered to be an extra skula to go ahead and read it specifically off of a cloth with letters shaped in that particular way. And you'll see that there are people who are, uh, who go ahead and, uh, in the, in, 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 and do so. But that's what happens over here. So here you have, this is introductory paragraph to the bringing of the ketaris, the ketaris asamim, this phrase over here, the burning of the incense. And then you have, sorry, that keeps popping up. I forgot how to stop that. So here you have it from Vayomer. So then you actually have, these are the psukim themselves. It's not very long. You have these psukim. And then you have a second set of psukim having to do with the Ketores. And then you have a series of brises, a series of passages from different places in Shas. You see on the side on the left by the English, they tell you exactly where the sources are taken from, which also elaborate further on the burning of the making of the Ketores, the manufacturing of the incense with the right ingredients and the right amounts, the right to, uh, the, the recipe, the 11 uh, secret herbs and spices. And then you go ahead and how they would be mixed and how they would be used. Here's another paragraph related to that, to that same idea, another paragraph which is related to that same idea, and another paragraph which is related to the bringing of the Ketores. And then you have these Sokim. So you see on the Hebrew side, it says you have a gimel pei. So gimel pei is just the Rashi Tevos for gimel pamim. So these are psukim, which you're going to be, each one of these is read three times. Anytime uh, you come across somewhere in the sitter where it tells you to read something three times, you know something Kabbalistic is going on. If you're a non-Kabbalist, reading it once should be more than suffice. If you're reading it more than once, it must be that there's some sort of uh, Kabbalistic uh, connection, which, which is going on over here. So therefore, this uh, is, is related to that. Hashem, this is a, a, a paragraph which talks about, you see, you are my shelter from distress. You preserve me. So that all has to do with the effects that the, uh, that the, uh, um, that the saying, the, this the section of Ketaris is going to have. And then from there, we get on to this next section. So Abai have Masader, say to Maracha. So these are the opening words. You see in the English side, it says, Abai elicited the order of the daily altar service based on tradition. Mishmed the Gemara means based on tradition. And here you have just about as short a presentation 
as you could possibly come up with, with what exactly they did in, on a daily basis in the, in the Beis HaMikdash. So you see, you don't get anything more than a phrase step-by-step step along the way of what exactly the procedure was. And the reason why we go ahead and we read this, the significance of this, uh, the Mishnah Burah says, that's not where I am. He says that, um, Um, he says that, right, he says that venerally um, Pashat. Uh, so Mishra Brura says that it seems to me obvious. Demishio there say for somebody knows a little bit about uh, Korbatus, about Kachim. Mitzvah Lilmo Begemara Perish So you should make sure that you look up the passage. This comes from a Gemara in Yuma. So you make sure, oh, it doesn't even say that over here. You make sure that you go ahead and you study this passage from the Gemara in Yuma. And he says the same thing is true regarding all of those paragraphs that we just went through very quickly that describe how the Ketaris is going to be manufactured and how it's going to be made. That also, that it's not just enough to read the words as they appear in the Siddur, but really you have to study them. The Mishabura says in this section, it's essential that you go ahead and you understand exactly what you're saying. And if you understand what you're saying, then the reading of the words will actually count as if you brought the Ketaris. But if you just go ahead and you read off the words and you're not really thinking about it all, you have no idea what you're saying. You just know that it's there in the sitter and therefore you're reading it. So that's not going to, uh, that's not going to count uh, too much. Um, okay, so that is as far as that is concerned. Let me do um, two things just very quickly over here. So the next thing which you're going to have, just that way we'll be done uh, with this. And we can start looking at Zimra on uh, next week. So next thing you have is An So this paragraph over here. So he says, um, so what, what, what it breaks down to is, if you count up the, uh, from... Um, this, there should be 42 words. I didn't count it up, but there should be 42 words. And this corresponds to a, or, or yeah, uh, the 42 letter name of Hashem. And this is the name which Hashem used to create the world. And, um, bah, 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 bah. yeah. So he says that the Rav Yaakov Emden writes that the correct, the correct way to read this is you two words at a time. So not necessarily where the sitter has a pause or how the sitter breaks it down. Usually it's three words and three words and two columns. But he says, the, the, the Yavit says, the correct way is, the Yomer, ko-based tevos biyachad. You say every two words together. Anabachach, pause. Gedulas yemincha, pause. Tatyatsura, pause. Viafsik. Except for the second pasuk, where you have... The, you have these three words, kabel rinas amcha. So if you look at the Rashi Tevas of that word, so that spells the word kira, that is to rip up. And then the next three words, these you could read together, but he says the next three words, if you look at the Rashi Tevas, so that spells the word satan. So kira, satan means to rip up the satan, to destroy the satan. So those things you would read it three words at a time. But the rest of it, you're going to read two words, uh, two words at a time. And then different people uh, uh, discuss what exactly you would say as far as that. And then 
the last thing that I want you to know is so after this, so as we said, uh, we get to the the Mishnayis. So here are the Mishnayis in uh, in uh, in Zvachim over there, and with regards to that, Yehuda ben Yakar, who we mentioned earlier, so he writes that. He says, "Acher Churban Abayis." He says, "After the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, Barchulem Maseches Ezel Mekomen." So they chose, right? If all they wanted to do, if we adopt that position that we began with, that we want to mention Mishnayis somewhere so that we could fulfill our obligation to study Mishnayis. So, of all of the prakim of Shas, or hundreds of prakim in Shas, how did they? Who made the executive decision to go ahead and choose this particular parrot? Why not something for Shabbos to remind us of Shabbos? Maybe something brachos related to davening. Maybe something brachos related to eating every day. There are many topics that you find throughout Shas. Why did they choose this particular chapter? So he says, and I don't know how you like keep track of this to take note of this, but he says, He says, this is the only chapter in all of Mishnayis, which does not contain a machlokas. Every other chapter of Mishnayis contains a machlokas, Beishamah, Beishillel, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Lazar, you have, you have machlokas in all over Shas Mishnayis. This one parak does not have any disagreement about it whatsoever. And therefore, if we're going to study something and we want to make sure that it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's going to be the best thing that we could, so having that element to it, the fact that there's no machlokas, so that's considered to be a distinct advantage. And then he says also it's related to Korbanos, so that fulfilled that fits in with the, uh, the theme which, which we're reading anyways. And then as we said, after you read all of these Mishnayas, also understanding them, the Mishibur emphasizes. So then we have the Rebbe Shmuel, the 13 hermeneutic principles by which we darshan the Torah. And then that brings us to our, our, our Kaddish Durabanan, and that finishes that section. So Mitz Hashem next week, we'll begin with the Mizmor Shirchan Kasavayis to David, whether or not we actually say that, where exactly that comes from. And from there, we'll get... Uh, we'll get uh, 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 head deep and knee deep into uh, Pesukah de Zimra Mirz Hashem. Okay. Yes. Um, how much are women obligated to do um, to say the Karbanos and the Ketoret and all that? Um, from the Rishonim, it seems to be that the, it seems to be that there's not much of a difference between men and women. Um, common practice is that women don't necessarily say it, um, but uh, nobody that I've spoken to knows where that practice came from. Remember, in many shuls they don't even say it, but in many Ashkenazi shuls. They don't say it. By Sephardi shuls, they would never skip it if you pay them a million dollars. By Hasidic places, they also wouldn't skip it no matter how much you go ahead and you, uh, you, you pay them to do so. In regular Nusach Sephard, meaning you have a literature minion, which davens Nusach Sephard, so they officially say it. Davening will be called for nine and everybody shows up at 9.15 because the first 15 minutes is just Karbanos anyways. So they just know when to show up late for, uh, for that. That's where you know, Jewish times comes, <laughs> comes from because the very first thing we do of the day is it's called for one time and we show up later because we want to skip it. So, uh, so I don't, it's not clear where exactly it, the practice began to, uh, to skip it. But, uh, you know, if you ask me, you know, I don't think that I, I think it, uh, it should be said. There's enough advantages to say it. And it's something which the Rishon me advocated very strongly. So I would, uh, you know, asking me, I would say, yeah, go ahead and uh, go ahead and say it. But common practices to skip it. So, the, uh, you know, and certainly in seminaries and whatnot, they don't have the girls go ahead and read the uh, section of Korbanos. You may read stories about uh, Revison Kanievsky. She may have gone ahead and said it on a daily basis. But she doesn't seek it every day. So she doesn't prove anything. So... Thank you. All right. All the best. Thank so we'll you, see Rabbi. Everybody in Mitzvah. Thank Shem you. On, um,
on uh, Thursday at 